Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, and welcome to the Inclusive Class Podcast. Through interviews and discussions, it's our goal to explore the promise and practice of inclusive education. I'm Nicole Erdix, and I'm one of your hosts for the show. I'm a parent, inclusion teacher, and creator of the online resource, theinclusiveclass.com. And here is my co-host this morning, Terry Morrow. Good morning, Nicole, and welcome to all our listeners. I am Terry Morrow. I'm the author of 50 Ways to Support Your Child's Special Education, and I write about special needs for about.com at specialchildren.about.com. Uh, I'd like to mention to anybody out there listening to us live that we're not taking phone calls, but the chat room will be open if you'd like to stop in and suggest a question. I'll try to work it in if we have time. Uh, we're, uh, it's a, a red-letter day for our family yesterday. Uh, as we talked about a little, Nicole, my daughter graduated mm-hmm. from college with her associate's degree in early childhood education. And uh, as the commencement was going on, we finally got the phone call we've been waiting for every 6 a.m., oh. which is that she now has a, has a subbing job through the end of the year. Right. It's like this, oh, this through phone the end call of the we've year. been waiting for. It comes in the middle of this commencement when I can't, nobody can talk on the phone. She's down on the floor getting her diploma. It's like oh, timing. Wow. But it was kind of nice because it really then did represent a movement on from uh, academia to the working world. Yeah. So it was it was it was very nice. It was very long. You know, commencements are always lovely in theory. Yes. <laughs> so when you're actually sitting there, you're going, "There are a thousand names on this list. We're going to be here till dawn." Um, yeah. But uh, and and you know, I, I, was it always a thing? The beach balls at commencements was that a thing? You know, I actually it's remember it at my out of hand. Yeah. Oh, okay. No, we just See, had one, and it was pretty random. Yeah. And, yeah. I don't remember my high school and my college commencement. I was in a little artsy uh, creative studies major, so we had our own mm-hmm. little graduation in a room off a dorm. You know, there was a dozen yeah. of us, and we didn't wear caps and gowns or have any of that stuff, and I'm pretty sure we didn't have a beach ball. But it's like, <laughs> you know, I understand why the kids want to do it, but yeah. they're doing it when the names are being called. So yeah. when the person in charge takes their beach ball away, of course everybody boos. Now if you're the kid getting your having your name called and then everybody boos, I gotta oh. think that's a little upsetting. That's kind of tacky, yeah. right? And then not, yeah. not bad enough that all the kids on the floor are booing. The parents in the stands are booing. What's the <gasps> matter with people? No. You know, it's it's. Well, I noticed this at my kid's high school graduation and thought, you know, geez, these parents are really being bad. But it, they did it at the college yeah. graduation too. So. It's like, wow. you know, if it was your kid having their name called and then there were boos and calls out, that, mm-hmm. don't do that, you know? Yeah. Do the beach ball no. while, the, while the CEO of American Express is talking inspirational platitudes to you. Do it then. You know? <laughs> He's probably used to being booed. Don't do yeah. it when your friends' names are being called. But uh, uh, other than that, it was, it was pretty nice, but, but somewhat <laughs> endless. So. Well, the, um, the 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 one that I notice out here is that all the kids wear these lays, and it's oh. either made of money or candy bars or. Like, what is that? Oh my Where did that come from? No well, if you want candy is. bars, you want that to be a chilly day. When that, yeah. <laughs> you want that to be a hot day in the California desert when you're wearing your candy Seriously. bar necklace. <laughs> Oh, it's I have no idea where that comes from. Is it an American thing? I don't know. <laughs> I have never heard of that. No, we, I saw some graduates th- that were barefoot, which I was a little surprised oh. by. But I didn't see any oh. any uh and and they all had their, their a lot of them had their caps decorated. 
Because actually, yes, when you went to the thing to pick up the cap and gown, there was a table where you could decorate your cap. So I guess the school no. was okay with that. But, I noticed um, that on some on some of them as I look at pictures on the internet, and I yeah, that seems to be a big thing too that we never did. But yeah, yeah, it's interesting I how each uh, each generation or you know group sort of tailors things yeah. to fit their own needs. <laughs> But there's so certainly a loss of decorum that's <laughs> going mm-hmm. on in college mm-hmm. graduations. And also, I was, you know, I was all that. We found out at the last minute that she was supposed to be there like an hour earlier than we had thought. So we rushed through. We had dinner really early, and we just went crazy getting her there on time. There were kids walking in, I'd say, a good half an hour into the graduation, oh, no. kind of zipping up their robes as they walked in and took a seat in the back. <laughs> so oh, no. apparently, if you show up before they call your name, you're good. Yeah, but, yeah. Be there for the name. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Aww. but it was interesting. I, you know, I was thinking maybe some of this is just because it's a community college. But uh, my friend was there, had a niece who graduated from Villanova, and she said they had to stop the graduation because of the beach ball situation. So oh, I guess wow. it's just a thing. Wow. Um, but aside, and now you go into aside. the working world, kids, where nobody is going to want you to be tossing your beach ball around. Nobody's going to exactly. think that's funny. Cut it out. Like what kind of behavior? <laughs> what kind of behavior? Y'all going to have a rude awakening. <laughs> or maybe that's their last ditch opportunity to actually be Perhaps. irresponsible and yes, yeah. to go to a formal event, oh. no shoes, and throw around a beach ball. This is it. Yeah, this You're on this is it. it's a cold That's what I keep telling my son, who has like I don't know, 16 weeks off this summer because he doesn't start <laughs> university until October of all things. Mm-hmm. And I said, enjoy it. This is the last huge chunk yep. of time you're going to have till you retire. <laughs> <laughs> right. So anyway, yeah. So. Uh, Definitely interesting, but I also, you know, on top of all of this, you know, your daughter graduating, my son's mm-hmm. coming up on his high school graduation. Um, you know, I just want to say congratulations, Terry, to you and your husband for um, getting your daughter to this point in her life. Because yeah. obviously, um, you know, just from listening to your experiences and talking yeah. about her education, you know, you've been a big support and a lot of help. Yeah. And well, yeah. Transitioning really into our topic, this is the end of you know uh, mm-hmm. these. 18 years or 16 years of parental advocacy and special ed yeah. and IEPs and specialized services and uh, so yeah. yeah you know it works it's a big job. but it's yeah it is not easy yeah no <laughs> and Amanda not is easy. going to tell us today how to make it easier right <laughs> yes our guest Amanda Morin is with us today and she is the author of the newly released book, The Everything Parents Guide to Special Education, and she has also written the Everything Kids Learning Activities book. And Amanda is also one of your co-hosts on your roundtable on your other podcast, too, Terry. Yes, Parenting Parenting Roundabout, Wednesdays, 1130. Be there. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so Amanda joins us this morning to talk about ways in which parents can you know, navigate that special education system and and ask for what they need and be successful with it. Good morning, Amanda. How are you? Good morning. I'm well. How are you? I'm I'm pondering the idea of candy lays at the moment. I was listening yeah. to that and thinking, <laughs> I need one way? of those I while know. I work, I think. I, yeah. Yeah. I think that should be a thing for all of us, not, not the guys. I think so, too. Yeah, I, I yeah think the so. parents deserve that. We can nibble on it while we watch the ceremony. <laughs> That's right. I was, I was thinking the same thing though about about Terry getting your daughter to the the place where she is. It's a really an amazing feat, and congratulations. I think that's well, wonderful. For her, credit goes to her mostly yeah. because she was the one who had to sit in those classrooms I arranged for. Uh, <laughs> right, right, yeah. right. So, 
she had the hard job. Yeah. Well, that's, that's part of the whole piece, isn't it? Making sure that you've got the program in place mm-hmm. that your child can also do at the same time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's great. What you think is best may not necessarily be. So right. that's yeah. one of the big issues. Um, but, yeah, Amanda, we'll, we'll uh, let you take the... Uh, the mic now and um yeah tell oh us, give us some thoughts and some ideas and i guess first of all why is it important for parents to be involved in this special education process anyway why can't we just let teachers do all the work yeah <laughs> what, why is Ooh. it important <laughs> well you know teachers Teachers certainly have a lot of credit for what they do and for for taking care of um, the needs of the kids in the classroom. But parents, you really know your children best. You um, you're the ones who spend all all of the summer with them. You're the ones who spend all of the time watching them grow up. You're the ones who know what how they react to what's going on at school, the things that they're not comfortable telling teachers, the struggles that you see at home that carry over into the classroom. All of those things. Those are parents have this really unique perspective on their kids and I think that it's really great to be able to go into to a meeting and say this is what I'm seeing in my child these are the things we're trying at home that are working really well and I think these are the things that we might be able to try in the classroom I think parents sometimes are very intimidated by the special education process and it's important to be able to feel I, I'm not I'm not a big fan of the word empowered, but I think it's the perfect word here. To feel mm-hmm. empowered to to be a part of it. Um, mm-hmm. and, and there are a lot of ways to do that too. It's not just a matter of sitting in meetings and um, telling people, here's what my kid's all about. It's about actually being involved and understanding the special education process, which is yeah. very complicated. It's yeah. very complex. There's a lot to figure out and understand and it's overwhelming sometimes. Yeah. I think it's purposely complicated. I think they do that. <laughs> Parents, this is over your head. <laughs> Let the professionals handle it. Really? I think they make up those words. That's interesting. <laughs> uh, you know, Sometimes like when I've been on both sides of the table, you know, um, mm-hmm. and Carrie and, and Nicole know this, that I, I was an early intervention specialist and I was a teacher for a very long time. So I was in meetings as a teacher sort of performing the inclusive piece in my classroom, and then I was also running meetings as an early intervention specialist. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I knew what was going on. I felt like I was advocating for the best needs of the kids and that I was really doing a good job. And then I had my own kids who had some needs that I needed to deal Mm -hmm. with in the classroom. And sitting across the table on the other side is such an amazingly different experience. Mm -hmm. I felt like everything I knew didn't make any sense to me anymore. Mm -hmm. All of the acronyms that I thought I knew they didn't click in my head as a parent or not. And so Mm -hmm, uh to me that was one of the reasons, one of the reasons I actually wanted to write this book, The Everything Parents Guide to Special Education, is because having that experience as a parent is really different. And I think I was very, I had the the opportunity to understand what was going on so I could sort of hold my own in a meeting. And it worked fairly well for us. But I would walk out of every meeting thinking, oh, my goodness, what happens when parents don't understand this? What happens oh, yeah. when they're mm-hmm. nervous to speak up, mm-hmm. when they don't feel like mm-hmm. they know what's going on? What happens? How do those kids get what they need? And it's not necessarily yeah. that the school isn't going to provide it. It's that if you're not speaking up when there are things that you think would work better because you're intimidated by the system, um, it doesn't it doesn't benefit your child completely. Mm-hmm. So yeah. to be able to provide a resource for that really was um gratifying to me and I learned a lot writing it (laughs) I think I learned a lot 
as I went along thinking, yeah. ooh, I wish I had done that um, differently. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I just wanted to, I guess the next question relates to a comment that you made just a couple of minutes ago is that um, there's knowing the system but knowing how to advocate effectively and working effectively with that system because, you know, there's that, there's several different approaches to advocacy, as we all know. <laughs> I think right, we've yeah, probably right. tried all of them <laughs> ourselves. <laughs> um, but what, what in your mind would be uh, an effective way of approaching um, the school or the special education team or, you know, anybody related to your child's education? What would be the most effective way to ask what you think your child needs? Well, one of the really effective pieces is to step back a little bit and realize that everybody is, is trying to look out for the best interest in the child. I know it doesn't always feel that way. When your mm -hmm. child needs services, you can feel very emotionally involved and feel like you're the only one looking out for them. But if you come into the system with an us versus them attitude, I think it can mm -hmm. make it much more complicated. But mm -hmm. to start with, understanding what's going to happen at that meeting, understanding what all of the reports mean and what the recommendations mean and what it translates to in real life is really important. Um, and, and I think that's where parents need to start asking questions. What's going to happen at this meeting? Who is going to be mm -hmm. a part of this meeting? What is our purpose at this meeting? And you, you'll have all those forms in front of you. You'll have the, the, the prior written notice form that comes to you when you have a meeting, and it's supposed to explain all that. But if you don't understand it, ask the questions. And then the second thing that I really encourage parents to do is to sort of create in your mind um, what you would consider your child's ideal program. And it doesn't mean it's the program that your child's going to end up with. But if you mm -hmm. think about what services you feel like your child needs, what type of classroom your child would do best in, what does it look like, how many teachers are in it, what's the ratio of kids, is it um, self-contained, is it an inclusive classroom, sort of have a sense of what you would like your child's day to look like, and then mm -hmm. you can go to the table and say, here's what I think might work, how do we manage that and sort of negotiate what's going to work best for my child, because education and special education in particular, as we all know, is very individualized, or it should be very individualized. Mm -hmm. And it's okay to say, this is what I think my child would do best with, as opposed to saying, this is the program you have, let's find a way to fit my child into it. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but boy, that this is the program we have and try to fit your child into this is what you're going to be hearing from the other side of the table. Oh, Mrs. Morrow, that, <laughs> that would be very nice, but we don't do that, or we don't have the Absolutely. setup for that. We don't have the, the people for that. We don't have the right mix of students, you know, or it, it's, you know, or it, it nobody happens. does that. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I would I, have to bring in I examples from yeah, other too. parts of the country yeah. that do this. See, it happens, and even then, right. it's like, well, right. you know, right. And I, I, to some degree, that's a matter of being able to say, "Tell me why. Tell me why you don't yeah. have that program. Tell me what you do have that's comparable. Um, tell yeah. me how we can make this work differently." Um, and and it may not be what you want it to be, but being able to mm -hmm. speak up certainly shows the people around the table that you want to be involved in this process, yeah. that your child is, is not just getting support from school, they're getting support all over. Um, right. And it's a tough thing to do. It's a tough thing to yeah, do. Yeah, it doesn't um, hurt to, like, pay attention to what's going on in your community, to network with other parents, to find out. I mean, we have, like, 
16 elementary schools in our district, it's very hard to know what programs are going on in each of them. But if you talk to other parents, you can sort of find out, well, maybe they are doing that someplace. Or maybe, you know, Absolutely. you're reading the, read the minutes of the, of the school board meetings and find out wh- who, what staff they're approving. You know, there, is, there are ways you right. can find some measure out before you go into a meeting. Right, and one of the other side. things... One of the other things to do is to sort of scope out, you know, and this is sort of what you were talking about a little bit too, is scope out what's around you because sometimes the program your child needs may not be the program that's in the school that's right in your neighborhood, but there may be something inside the district that would work better. Mm -hmm. And, and, And your child's team has the power, so to speak, Mm -hmm. to make that decision for what's best. Right. It's, yeah. Um, and, no, no, go ahead. The degree to which you can go in there from a knowledgeable point of view and a, a uh, hey, let's all work together point of view rather than, you know, make this happen or I'm going to sue you point of view is, is good. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to keep that particular. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's sort of a last ditch. Yeah. Put that in your pocket for later. Starting <laughs> yeah. point. I run it, no. Um, I run into so many parents who, who go into it with that, point, like as a point of pride. Like I feel yeah. like they have the shrugging heads of child study team members dangling from their, their <laughs> rearview mirror. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got rid of that one. But, you know, it doesn't work well over the course of your kids, you know, 13 years in a district. Um, no. It's going to come back on you at some point. Yeah. Well, in, yeah. and in the meantime, your child may not have a program because you're waiting for it to, to come to due process or mediation or, or right. any of those kinds of right. things. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know about, you know, I'm a really good advocate for my own children, but I'm really mm-hmm. nervous about being on somebody's bad side all the time, which is really kind of yeah. funny. I mean, because what I do yeah. for a living is I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm an advocate. But I don't like to be adversarial yeah. at all, and I think yeah. those parents don't. You know, yeah. and I, it's unfortunate that they feel like that's the first step is, is that adversarial piece. Yeah. You know, sometimes it's yeah. helpful to bring somebody else with you, too. You know, just bring somebody to take mm-hmm. notes, if nothing else, so you know there's somebody who you brought with you who's on your side sitting next to you. Um, right. You know, it could, it, it's, it's helpful. I always felt yeah, like it was helpful to have so. something they could walk eyes with and go, okay, we're in this yeah. together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for yeah. moral support and also for accountability from the other people in the room. You That's know, true. it's That's easier to, to bully a parent emotionally than it is to do it when there's somebody else sitting there. So, yeah, this is true. Um, yeah. But it's also good to know, I think, as we talk about all kids have their own styles and need their own individualized program. Parents are all different, too. Not all of us are built to be able to go in there and knock heads. You know, some of us don't like conflict and don't like, mm-hmm. you know, want to want to work within the system as much as possible. And you will have people tell you that makes you a bad parent and a bad advocate, but they're all different ways to advocate. Um, you know, yeah. my way was always just to be in the school constantly and making friends with people so that when we sat down at that, right. at that table, we had sort of already decided stuff. Right, right. Um, right. And it worked very well. Right. So it does. Yeah. Building relationships is a, such an important thing to do. Yeah. Um, Huge. Sometimes it's not easy to do. It's tough. Yeah. But well, I had one of those helpful. those mean and angry meetings, and I never wanted to have one of those again. It was horrible. <laughs> so from yeah. that point on, I worked to make that never happen again. I got my way, but it was just it it ruined so many things. It ruined us for that school, you know, and mm-hmm. just. People did not like me very much for a year. And it makes you nervous about what the next meeting is going to be like. 
you know, yes. and I and also I think what are they doing a, with your kids when yeah. you're not looking? Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh, <laughs> that's right. You don't want your kids to uh, pay for your style of advocacy. Be the one with that think, mom. Right, right, but. But knowing sort of where to go when you sit down is probably, I think even just really simply introducing yourself before they do introductions at the meeting can make a really big difference. I've never yeah. felt as comfortable when, as when I walk into a meeting, you know, 10 minutes early or something like that and mm-hmm. sit down and say, I'm so-and-so's mom. Who are yeah. you and how do you know my child? And I, I, it makes a big difference to sort of yes. be able to know who these people are before they start talking to Right. Definitely. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Um, you idea. know, one thing that's that's been a big uh, thing that's been coming along while my kids have been in school is inclusion, which is what we talk about here every week. And there's still, you know, my daughter was in our district's first inclusion class when she was in second grade, and she just graduated from college, and they're still not really doing it <laughs> in any sort of comprehensive yeah. way. So, uh, you know, I talk to a lot of parents who are really reluctant to fight. They want to fight for the self-contained. They want to fight for the specialized school. They don't want to fight for inclusion. You know, they don't see it as something that's realistic and safe for their kid. Um, how, how has your understanding of inclusion and education come along? I mean, I've become much more of an advocate for inclusion than I was. I mean, even though I forced my daughter into it when, when she was young, for my son I was always fighting for the self-contained. And it's just never seemed like it's a good option for everybody. How how have, have your feelings come along about that? Um, well, firstly, I, it took me a long time to understand the difference between mainstreaming and inclusion, and I that that was tricky for me to understand. Yeah. That inclusive programming is in the classroom with the support right in the classroom instead of taking your child a couple of times a day into a, a regular general yeah. education classroom. Um, uh-huh. And I think, excuse me, to, to some degree, it depends on how well your your school system is doing inclusion. Um, yeah. I, because if, if, if inclusion to them isn't the same thing as your child being in the general education classroom right. with all the support he needs, it mm, may uh-huh. not be your best option. Um, yeah. For my own child, we've done both. We've done both. Mm-hmm. He has worked his way from a self-contained classroom into an inclusion, completely inclusive programming, and it's been wonderful. But he needed to start back from the non-inclusive classroom to work his way into an inclusive classroom. Yeah. To some degree, it's, it's knowing what your child does best. If your child's going to mm-hmm. be completely overwhelmed and shut down in a classroom yeah. where he feels like he's being compared to other kids, it may not be the best option. I think that knowing knowing your kid makes a big difference, but I think asking questions too. You, you have to, I mean, that's sort of the overarching theme here is ask questions, ask questions, go into yeah. the school, observe, see what's doing well and what's not doing well in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Ask about who's coming in and doing the support in the classroom. I always find it sort of backwards that often we have our least trained professionals working with our highest speed children. Which, uh-huh. um, mm-hmm. And I don't mean least trained in the fact that they're not trained. I mean, I mean more that there are professionals who special ed is not their um, degree. Yeah. They're not, they don't right. have the additional training and you have... Um, less trained professionals coming in and working with your child, that may not be the best type of inclusive programming. But sometimes it works beautifully. I um, worked in a situation when I was a a general ed teacher, and I had a situation where I had 
a special ed teacher who spent half the day in my classroom and worked with um, a bunch of different children, but then stepped out and was consulting with me as to how I could make the classroom work for all the kids in there. And it was perfect. It was great. Mm -hmm. Everybody benefited from it. I did as a teacher. Mm -hmm. It made me a better teacher. The kids benefited from having all sorts of types of abilities in their classroom. It was great to watch. Um, Yeah. It's it's a hard thing to think about. It's a hard thing to think really about. It really is in frustrating. Of, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, go the ahead. Thing is yeah, that absolutely. It's it's only good if if they're doing inclusion right, but there's no motivation for them to do inclusion right if nobody's pushing for it. And so it's like you don't want to advocate your kid to be in a bad place, but there's never going to be a good place if people aren't pushing right. it. So it's really, and it's such a vulnerable population, it's hard to just say, well, we're going to sacrifice three years' worth of kids to get it right. These kids can't make up from that sort of thing. Right, um, right. You know, being the the pioneers is always difficult, but this is a particularly (laughs) difficult group to make to be pioneers. So, I mean, how can parents advocate for proper include. I mean, I, I feel like from what I hear from Nicole and all of the professionals we've had on is that it is possible for inclusion to serve absolutely every kid. There is no kid for whom inclusion is absolutely off limits. But mm-hmm. most of our schools do not have that situation. Um, mm-hmm. What should we do about that? <laughs> do you have any ideas? <laughs> I have, have had a problem with it. <laughs> banding together. I think banding together makes yeah. a big difference, too. If you're the only mm-hmm. parent saying this is what we need to do in our school, yeah. it's not as powerful as if you have multiple groups of parents or, or a, mm-hmm. a big group of parents. I kind of think of a big cluster of parents walking into the school saying, this is what we should be doing, um, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> which is kind of an amusing image, but it's very truthful having because you can't you can't you can't effectively have a program start if you're doing with one child you have to begin with a bunch of children um also i I, giving giving it a chance makes a big difference you're right three years Mm -hmm. of of not not great programming is going to be very difficult for this population Mm -hmm. but a year a year of working out the kinks with extra support maybe Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Parents also need to know you can always go back to the table. You can always say, right. "This was a great idea. It's not working the way I anticipated. Let's talk about mm-hmm. how we can make it work better." Um, building those relationships, like you talked about, Terry, really makes a big difference because when you have the relationships with those the teachers, mm-hmm. they want the same thing. Mm-hmm, I think yeah. I think parents maybe underestimate that teachers really would like to see, see some of this run the same way parents do. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of teachers are parents too, and they they get yeah. what it's like to want their kid to be part of a really good system. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Bringing in examples, like you said, you know, here they're doing this across yeah. the country, they're doing this here, mm-hmm. really is helpful. To be able to say, this is a program that I've seen, this is a program that yeah. I've learned about, this is how they do mm-hmm. it, let me get you some information on to, to talk to them about how you can implement that in your school is helpful. Right. I, I, you know, being informed makes a huge difference. I'm not yeah. sure there's a great answer to that question. I don't think there's a, like a perfect <laughs> answer to how we get this going. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we've it, been I'd looking for one for a long to, time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not, yeah. It's not making itself apparent. But certainly, I mean, we've talked about how how inclusion has to be done 
from the district down. It has to be done from yeah. the principal down. It has to be, it's not something uh, you can just say, let's do this for one class and see what happens. It has to be a whole mm-hmm. attitude. And that's right. hard for parents to affect. That's something that takes time. Uh, yeah. But certainly, you yeah. know, and, and when, when special ed parents, I feel, are not all at one on this topic anyway, you know. Right, There's, right. And, and teachers, I mean, I've talked to plenty of special ed teachers who think it's a tragedy to take a kid out of a special, a self-contained class. So I'd hoped it's by a, now we would be more class. on the same I know. <laughs> but, I think, too, to some degree, it's a university issue, too, when you're training teachers, yes, being able to train them. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I I think all teachers should have to take special education courses and have like a dual certification. But that's a crazy yeah. kind of my own yeah. well, <laughs> perspective. Not necessarily. On that. I mean, that happens in yeah. universities where there are school districts that are inclusive. The teachers are required mm-hmm. to take special ed courses. So, yeah. I mean, that's not a not a far off suggestion. You know, it's well, I have something a that friend who just got her important. master's in special education, and she was in with some regular ed. Uh, teachers and and they all had to take special ed classes and afterwards they said to her I can't believe you want to be a special ed teacher it's going to be so hard and it's like mm-hmm. they didn't get it that they're going to have these kids in their classes too right. so right. sometimes yeah. you can't necessarily even get that through unfortunately we've right. come to the end of our time for today I mm-hmm. really enjoyed this this talk it's always yeah, nice talking with you. you Amanda you have a lot of great stuff to say uh, and thank I you. recommend everybody seek out Amanda's book The Everything Parents Guide to Special Education which is is it out mm-hmm. now um, Amanda it in is print out now? now yeah it okay, is excellent. on the shelf um, yeah. thank you for being our guest we'll be back next week thank uh, you so to, much uh, talk to our guest Tim Villegas about ways in which special educators can uh, support inclusion. In the meantime, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter, where Nicole tweets under the name inclusive underscore class, and I am at Mamatude, M-A-M-A-T-U-D-E, and Amanda is at Amanda Morin. And finally, you can download our past podcasts for free on on, uh, tinyurl.com slash theinclusiveclass. Uh, Goodbye, everybody, and have a great week. Goodbye, and thank you.